of Deuteronomy and uh, the 26th chapter, and I have a, a few verses there that I'd like to share with you this evening. Deuteronomy, the 26th chapter, and uh, verses 1 through 11. I was reminded as I was thinking of this uh, passage of Scripture concerning the children of Israel who were down in Egypt. And uh, when God wrought their deliverance and began to move upon uh, Pharaoh's uh, power and upon his land, and uh, they said, uh, God says that we're going to uh, go into the wilderness and worship him. And uh, Pharaoh said, you're not going to do any such thing. Uh, you want to worship, you worship here in the land. And they said, no, no, we're going to go out. We're going to go three days' journey out. And uh, so he said, okay, you can go, but you're not going to take any of your livestock out. You leave all them back here. They said, no, no, we're going to take all that we own. We're going to go out with us because we need them to worship and serve God. He said, okay, you can go, but uh, you're going to leave your families here. And they said, no deal. We're going to go out. We're going to go out with our families. We're going to go out with our substance. We're just going to go out. Amen. And they pressed through, and the power of God broke Pharaoh's power, and they came out into the land. And I was thinking of that as I was thinking of the uh, tremendous thought that the Lord has dealt with me and laid upon my heart. Because the devil has done a psych job on uh, many believers. I'll never for, uh, forget uh, a number of years ago when I was a young pastor, my first church, and no people, no building, no nothing, when God began to deal with me, and I had the feeling that anybody is spiritual... The shoe soles had to be out and the seat out of their pants and just barely enough to buy beans and a little hamburger to scratch by with, and I felt that was spirituality. I wasn't far from the kingdom, and God began to deal with me about some things in the Bible, and I discovered I couldn't defend that doctrine in the Bible at all, but that God's will for me was something altogether different, and as I laid hold of that, began to practice it, believe it, proclaim it, and teach the people that it's not only blessed me, but it's blessed every church that I've pastored from that day to this. Well, there's another thinking that is in uh, a great deal of the Christian uh, people's minds, and that thinking is that uh, what we really are is uh, a little crew of moth-eaten, brow-beaten, discouraged, Troopers just holding out to the end. Amen. That's our lot in life. Just scratch through. Glory to God. Ain't nobody left but me and you, and you're probably going down too. And we're going to be martyrs for Jesus, and, and, uh, and that's the way that Christianity's all going to be. You see, the problem is, uh, we, we, depending on circumstances and where we live in certain situations, that might be our lot, but... The Bible declares that there's another principle altogether that's working even when that is at work and, uh, and that, uh, uh, that uh, we need to lay hold of that. We need to begin to practice and believe it. I do not believe that uh, you and I are destined in this age to just uh, hold up somewhere and, and uh, everything's going to go down the tubes and, and just you and I and a little handful, three or four, are going to finally make it through, just the spiritual ones, and here we are. I believe 
that we're in one of the greatest movings of the Spirit of God. There is also a false, but in with the false there also is a true. And God is gathering out a people that are discovering the revelation of the Scripture and are rising up and beginning to believe God for what their inheritance is in Christ Jesus. And I believe that God would have us know that this evening, brethren, from the Word of God. Deuteronomy 26, verses 1 through 11. I'd like to speak on the kingdom of God. I want to read verse 1. You read verse 2 on through verse 11 responsibly. And it shall be, when thou art come in into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance, and possesseth it, and dwellest therein, And thou shalt go unto the priest that shall be in those days, and say unto him, I profess this day unto the Lord thy God that I am come into the country which the Lord sware unto our fathers for to give us. <coughs> thou shalt speak and say before the Lord thy God, A Syrian, ready to perish, was my father. And he went down into Egypt and sojourned there with a few, and became there a nation great, mighty, and populous. And when we cried unto the Lord God of our fathers, the Lord heard our voice and looked on our affliction and our labor and our oppression. And he has brought us into this place and has given us this land, even a land that floweth with milk and honey. <coughs> Thou shalt rejoice in every good thing which the Lord thy God hath given unto thee and unto thine house, thou and the Levite and the stranger. That is among you. I want to talk first of all concerning the principle of the kingdom of God, speaking from many scriptures, but homing in on this scripture that we read. Now, the principle of the kingdom of God is a tremendous principle. And that principle, beloved, is found in the word of God. And that principle is the principle of multiplication. And we look clear back over into the Old Testament in the very beginning of the book, and the Scripture reveals unto us a God-created humanity, a God-created creation, and the Lord looking upon that, and the Lord blessing that, and the Lord releasing multiplication into that man's life, into his creation, and all that pertain to him. We found this in Genesis, and I'd like to share the Scripture, and God blessed them. And he said, He... Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over everything upon the earth. Now, we find in, in the, the, the uh, narration of creation, we find that he created the plant, 
and he planted the plants with the seed in them and the herb-bearing seed that they would reproduce by multiplication of the seed. He, we find that he created fish under the sea and filled the oceans with fish and in them he put the same principle, that blessing of multiplication uh, so that within themselves they had the capability of reproduction in great multiplication. We find the trees, we find the fruits, and in them also God placed the seed and the principle of multiplication. And all of this was for the benefit uh, and was to find expression in his people. Now, when the flood had ended and Noah came out of the ark, Genesis 9-1, Noah was before God, and God said unto Noah, God blessed Noah, and the Scripture says that he said to Noah, Noah, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Look at all the earth-bearing seed. Look at all the fowls of the air and the fish of the sea. Every one of them I have given you for your blessing and for your expression. And the final epitome of this principle of multiplication, Noah, is to be found in you and in your household. Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. This particularly homes in on a man called Abraham. We find this in Genesis, the 15th chapter. And the Bible says, God brought him forth abroad and said unto Abraham, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. Now, if you want to read the scripture, you find the story of Abraham's descendant. When Isaac was born to Abraham, then we find in the scripture that same promise, God appearing to Isaac and saying to Isaac, Isaac, I bless you. And he said, look now towards the sand on the seashore and count if you can, so is going to be the children that have come out of your body. He said to Jacob, the son of Isaac, he said to Jacob, now Jacob, this same blessing you have inherited. Now be fruitful and multiply. I'll multiply your seed as the dust of the earth. Amen. Read it. And so it came on down. We even find it clear on down into the lineage of David. And in the life of David, we find this same promise reiterated. We find the same principle repeated. Multiplication fruitfulness going clear back to creation, coming down by covenant promise and blood covenant through a man whose name was Abraham. Now this principle is a fundamental principle of the kingdom of God. The principle is that the seed uh, uh, contains the fruit and that God moves upon the seed in mighty blessing and that seed is caused to come forth and to multiply and to bring forth, and this is particularly expressed not only in everything that God's people touches, but in God's people themselves, all that they touch, God promises He will bless it, but He says particularly this is for your benefit and to find expression 
through you as a people of God and as the believers in God. Here we find this down through the, the Scripture, and it's a principle of the kingdom of God that the seed is to contain the fruit and that God wonderfully moves upon it and multiplication is the result thereof. Now this is true even in adverse conditions. Particularly so, as a matter of fact, does this principle abide and abound that God says that He, and the revelation is given, that in many adverse circumstances, that it is even in those times, it does not matter. God will make that seed grow even against all the odds, against adverse circumstances. He will bless that seed and the fruit that is contained therein and bring it forth by His glorious power. We find this in the children of Israel as they were down in Egypt. You know the story. They went up to the land of Goshen. Uh, they began to be blessed of God. They were descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Here they were, Jacob and his twelve sons and their children. They dwelt in the land of Goshen, and they multiplied, and the Egyptians saw them. They became afraid of them. They began to oppress them. They laid heavy burdens upon them. They even uh, began to take the, the, the male children and slay them. You remember the narration of, Noses, of Moses. And yet, my friend, in spite of the adverse circumstances, this principle of multiplication still operated. And God says in His Word, the more they oppressed and afflicted them, the more they grew and multiplied. Praise God. That's wonderful, isn't it? So here we find that Seventy souls went down into Egypt, and three million came out 400 years later. This is a principle of the kingdom of God. It is a principle that the fruit is contained in the seed, and that God in the kingdom does bless that fruit, and does bring it forth, and does multiply it, and it finds its expression in His creation, particularly those who are the believers in Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, in the Old Testament, and this is particularly concerning children, uh, in the Old Testament, a woman that could not bear children was looked upon with reproach and was looked upon as if she did not have favor with God because she could not bear children. And in every case where they cried out to God and said, God, take away my reproach, God heard and answered, healed, and they began to bear children. Okay. Let's make the application of this. On over into the Word of God, and the Scripture gives us the application, and this application moves from Abraham to the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Galatians 3 says these words, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not unto seeds as of many, uh, but as of one. And to thy seed, which is Christ. And if you be, he's talking to the believers in Jesus Christ that have been saved. And if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. In other words, the same powerful forces that wrought in the lives of Abraham's descendant that moved down through Isaac and moved through Jacob on through David, these same powerful forces that moved in God's blessing and brought multiplication in the physical realm now move on into the spiritual realm and into spiritual children, the same multiplying 
forces that rut that caused them to be a mighty people now moves in to spiritual children. Praise the Lord. Anybody getting it? Would you say amen? You still asleep? Would you? I mean, awake? Would you wave at me? <laughs> amen. As the early church experienced this tremendous blessing of multiplication. And uh, we read in the Scripture that we read here in Deuteronomy 26 uh, uh, that uh, this is, this is the, the prayer of confession and this is to take place in worship and adoration and the releasing of this principle to God. And, uh, and uh, it says uh, that uh, my father was a Syrian. As a matter of fact, he was ready to perish. And he went down into Egypt, and the Scripture declares, these are the words we read, he became there a great nation, mighty and populous. We find that same principle begins to move in the descendants of Abraham who have faith in Jesus Christ. Abraham's spiritual children now begin to receive this same potent, powerful, multiplying force of multiplication. It comes on down into the New Testament church and believers in Jesus Christ. Listen to the scripture. The multitudes of them that believed and the number of those that were disciples were multiplied. Everywhere that the believers went, this multiplication principle went with them and began to work in mighty power in a great spread of believers in Jesus Christ. Listen to the book of Acts. And believers were the more added to the church multitudes, both men and women. Thank God that men can get saved too. I pastored five or six years before I ever discovered that there was men in the kingdom of God. Every church I took had nothing but women in it. I got so tired of looking at women, I said, God, isn't there any men in the world but me that's going to serve you? <laughs> well, thank the Lord. I'm not going to stir all the ladies up and tell you how I got started getting men getting saved, but anyhow, we're going to go on. The book of Acts goes on, but when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy. That's over in Acts 13, in another city, in another area. Acts 17, and some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas, and of the devout Greeks a great multitude. So here then we see that this principle uh, is applied in the Scripture and it moves from Abraham and physical lineage and physical children. It moves on into the kingdom of God in what God is actually aiming towards in believers that will give their hearts to God through faith in Jesus Christ and that principle is loosed in them and released in them and wherever they go, whether there's Jews or Greeks, whether they're black or white, whether they're rich or poor, regardless of what nation it is, it does not matter. That principle is released and explodes in that nation, and multitudes come to the kingdom of God. You see, there's one thing that is tremendous there, and that is that it moves from the arithmetic to the geometric. We find this in the book of Acts. And the Scripture declares this by arithmetic. I mean 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. 
But it, and, and that's wonderful. Glory to God. Everybody gets saved and is added one. Thank God for one that's added. Amen? But it'll never reach the world for Jesus. Four billion. Somebody was telling me, Brother Carol Brown's got a calculator mind back there. We was on a flight to Tucson to look at Harold's building, and, and him and Don Gummison had this all hashed out, and I was listening to him back there, and it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a dumbfounding figure. This strained my brain to even think about it. Amen. And thank God for the additions, but that'll never reach the world, friend. That'll never cause what God says in you. See, this is Bible that I'm reading tonight. I'm talking about multiplication. I'm talking about a promise of God. I'm talking about a promise that was given to Abraham that didn't just simply mean nor stop at physical lineage, but was talking about all those that would believe in God through Jesus Christ. And he says, you look at the stars in the sky, and boy, that's a hunk of stars. You been to the beach lately? Amen? God says, go ahead and count it if you can. That's going to be the descendants of the lineage of Abraham. See, we're talking Bible. We're talking about something that God says that I'm not just simply going to add, but He said, I'm going to multiply. Arithmetically means one, two, three, four, five, six. And every time you add one, you get another one. But geometrically means two, four, Eight, sixteen, thirty-two, sixty-four, a hundred and twenty-eight, two hundred and fifty-six, and before you've turned around and blinked a few times, you've got thousands on your hands. Are you still with me tonight? You said, "Does the Bible teach that?" Absolutely. But the word of God of the Lord grew and multiplied. Not only arithmetically, but geometrically. And the churches were multiplied, and so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. Every day they were planting a new church. You see, our peanut brains, we, we're satisfied. If we can get a hundred people together, we say, glory to God. Man, this is revival. Amen. And I've seen the time when I said, glad to see a hundred people. I just clicked my heel, boy. <laughs> Amen. Broke that hundred. That's peanuts in the sight of God, friend. See, we're dealing with God. We're not dealing with man. We're dealing with miracle. We're not dealing with human capability. We're dealing with the Holy Spirit of God. We're not dealing with human energy. We're dealing with seed that has capability to multiply beyond our understanding. The Word of the Lord grew arithmetically and multiplied and the churches were multiplied and so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. In 300 years, this group of 11 disciples and the followers of Jesus Christ had so exploded in the known world that they absolutely brought the empire to its knees and had Christianized the entire world. Are you still with me?
say, well, what brings the release of all that? Let's take a look at Abraham, and there we have the key. God brings Abraham out of his house. He'd spoken to him before. He'd dealt with him before. He said to Abraham, Abraham, I'm going to give you this land, and your heirs are going to possess it. Here's Abraham, 100 years old, no children. That didn't excite him at all. <laughs> That's some spiritual trip. You know, these spiritual trips, we don't get turned on on spiritual trips. This, this, this philosophy, and don't, it, don't, it don't catch it with me. He said, God, what are you going to give me, seeing as I go childless? The Lord said, you look at the stars in the sky for multitude. Abraham said, God, you're telling me I'm going to possess this land? But he said, my uh, one in my own, my servant in my household is going to be there. I don't even have any children to leave my property to. What good does it do to me if you're going to tell me you're going to leave the whole world? I don't have any sons. I'm going to have to give it to a servant. And God said this, this as much as to say this, Abraham, I didn't bring you up out of Ur the Chaldees to give this promise of inheritance to a servant in your household. Look at the stars in the sky. You number them if you can. He said, I'm going to give you this land from the river Euphrates to the river of Egypt. They're going to go in and possess it. And you count the stars for multitude. These are going to be your physical sons, lineage, actual birth. And the scripture says these words, friend. It says that Abraham believed God. Or in other words, he believed that God was capable and would indeed perform the multiplication. And as he looked up at God, he said, God, I believe that. And God said, Abraham, you're a righteous man and you're going to see it come to pass because you believed me. Romans 4 says these words concerning Abraham. See, he believed God, and in the believing of God, he became, the Scripture declares, the father of us all who also will believe God. Romans 4, Abraham, who against hope, believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations, According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead, when he was about an hundred years old, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was also able to perform. Are you still with me? You say, well, I don't... Uh, that's far out. That's really a neat theology. Well, let's get this theology on down to where you live. What's it talking about? It's talking about people getting saved where you are. It means your loved ones. It means your families. 
means people on your job. You say, but you don't know my boss. My wife is so mean. I don't even like to come in the same room with her. My neighborhood, just a habitation of devils. Amen? Abraham considered not his own body now dead, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. Now that gets sticky, doesn't it? <laughs> Amen? I don't mind believing God to save people, but you don't know my uncle, my boss, my school. See, I've pastored churches where glory to God, if there's anything going to happen, it has to be a miracle. I looked within me, and boy, there was no answers in there, I'll tell you. God's going to do something. It'd have to be something besides me. And I looked out at Sarah's womb sitting out there, and I said, God, <laughs> no hope there. <laughs> Amen. Oh, glory. Consider not his own body. Now in hundred years old, he said, I, I, can't, I can't cut the mustard, God. hundred years old. A hundred years old, God. God said, you're going to have babies. They're going to spring all over the world. Nor the deadness of Sarah's womb. Seventy-five years old. See, the Scripture says, no hope. Gone, man. The time of life was past. And that gets down and does something. It wasn't written for Abraham's sake at all. It was written for our benefit and instruction. Abraham, who's the father of us all, Set the principle, it was to him that God said, I'm going to multiply, and it was to us, the inheritors of the promise, that God said, Beloved, I'm going to multiply beyond the stars of the sky, the, the sand on the seashore, the dust of the earth. I'm going to multiply your children. And so what do we do in the face of this? If we're pastoring churches, and some of you young men, that if Jesus tarries, you listen very carefully to what I'm saying. I want you to know that if you're ever to see it happen, you'll have to look somewhere besides in yourself because you don't have the goodies. And uh, and uh, when you begin, when you finally discover you don't have the goodies, you're ready to throw in the towel. Amen. You look out at Sarah's womb sitting out there, eight or ten or fifteen defeated saints of God that haven't got enough faith to even get out of bed on Sunday morning, and you say, God, there's nothing going to happen around here. The devil looks in you and he says, that's right, nothing. I know you. You haven't got it. You say, that's right, I haven't. <laughs> Neither does that church you pastor. say, that's right, especially them. 
But you see, we're not talking about human energy. We're not talking about human principle. We're talking about divine multiplication. We're talking about a miracle of God. We're talking about God who created seed, whose fruit is in itself, and God saying, I'm going to touch that fruit. I'm going to cause it to flourish and spring up and multiply. I want you to know that within your scope of your own ministry and your own understanding, when God gets you past, beloved, that place where you make the confession of failure, where you make the confession of unbelief, see, all of Abraham would have had to do was say, God, I don't believe that. And God would have said, that's okay, honey boy. I'll find me somebody else. I'll get me a rock over here and raise him up, and he'll be it. Amen? But Abraham said, God, I believe that. God said, Abraham, you're a righteous man and you're going to see it come to pass. For that faith that Abraham had released into his life the multiplying principle that God began clear back in the first man that he loosed in all of his creation and he released it into his life and there are millions of people in the world today that are the physical lineage of Abraham but more than that there are multiplied millions today that are the spiritual lineage of Abraham. You see, faith releases the multipliers of the kingdom. Jesus said to the disciples that were exactly like you and I, I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go forth and bring forth nothing. Despair, hopelessness, moth-eaten, people hiding behind the church, Holding out till the end? Jesus said, I've chosen you. You have not chosen me, but I've chosen and ordained you that you shall go forth and bring forth much fruit. Bring forth sixty. Some will bring forth a hundredfold. Jesus said, Say not as you look around. Well, it isn't time yet. I don't believe anybody's ready to get saved yet. Say not yet four months uh, and then come of harvest but lift up your eyes and look those people that you don't think are ready to get saved are ready right now but you see we too often are like Abraham could have been we look at the old shriveled up creaky body amen we have a look at Sarah's womb and say nothing gonna happen around here boy we say this in our own lives. We say this on our jobs. We say this in our families. But my friend, God says, if we have faith, we release that principle. If you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. One time Isaac, who is the inheritor, and this principle runs through all of the affairs of life, not only in the spiritual affairs, but just to show you this, there was famine in the land and Isaac was headed down to Egypt and as he went down, God spoke to him and said, Isaac, don't go down to Egypt. I didn't call you Egypt. I called you to this land. I said, I'm going to give you this land. And Isaac said, God is in famine. There's nothing, nothing to Egypt. There's nothing growing here. I've got to go there to survive. God says, you stay in the land because I have promised saying I will 
be, make you fruitful and multiply you. You stay here, and I'm going to bless you, Isaac. And Isaac stayed in Gerar, which today's Beersheba out in, out in Giza, a part of the land of, of Palestine. He stayed there, planted his crop, and the Scripture declares that in the, in the midst of famine, while there was a horrible famine on the land, people were dying of starvation. Isaac planted a crop, and God blessed it, and that crop multiplied a hundredfold. And God made him a wealthy man right there in the midst of a famine. Can you say man? Adoniram Judson went into India. And as he went into India, he had no success. One day after he'd suffered a long series of failures in his dream of bringing the gospel to India, his board timidly wrote him. They asked how, under the circumstances, he still viewed his prospects in India. His return letter said, My prospects are as bright as the promises of God. Until that time, he had not seen one single soul brought to Jesus Christ. From that very moment on, he commenced to see tens of thousands except Jesus Christ throughout India, his positive confession of the promises of God in the face of defeat and failure and despair released the explosive power of God's multiplying principle in his life, and Abraham's seed began to multiply. You see, friend, as you and I are seated in this building tonight, we are the children of of our father Abraham because we have believed in Jesus Christ. And the Bible declares that if we're Christ, then we are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And it is time God's people rose up and began to confess that there is no impossibility unto God. He can save beyond everything that we even think, my friend. He can multiply because the principle is not in you and I. The principle is in God's seed. Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ is capable of multiplying, not only arithmetically, but geometrically. What does this mean? It means your family can get saved, friend. It means your neighbors can get saved. It means that this church, if God's people would begin to confess faith and believe God, we could in six months be wondering why on earth we ever built this building here. Do you believe that? Do you think that's just preacher talk? I'm just telling you what the Bible says. I'm just telling you what the Word of God declares. That God is a... See, we're just toying. We're, we're toying with, with onesies and twosies. Amen. I remember when I got out of grade school and uh, went on into junior high school and then finally they got me up into... Uh, into, into high school and uh, we graduated from those little simple things like addition into geometry which I never did catch on to. <laughs> Algebra I had to take twice. <laughs> Amen. I wasn't saved then either. If you're saved I believe you could cut that but I wasn't saved. <laughs> Amen. Never did understand it but simply because I didn't understand it doesn't mean it doesn't work. They've got people that work not only geometry, but trigonometry and all those things that are up to the tenth power and to the hundredth power and to the powers above power that I don't, can't even grasp. 
But because I can't grasp it or doesn't understand it doesn't mean it doesn't work. It just simply means that in my peanut brain I'm incapable of grasping. My friend, God, if He can find sons of Abraham that will begin to, in the face of defeat, in the face of opposition, in the face of failure, quit confessing their fears and start confessing what God says they can do. Considered not his own body, no hope there, neither the womb of Sarah, now dead, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and confessing that that which he had promised, God was also capable of performing. Do you believe that tonight? Let's bow our heads in the presence of the Lord. While Christians are praying, no one's moving around just for a moment. And God's Holy Spirit has stirred in this congregation. See, I'm talking about your unsaved loved ones. I'm talking about your families. See, this, this has practical aspects. This is, this is your, your neighbor that you love. This is your friend on the job or your friend across town or your friend that you were raised with, or your friend in school. This is the one that the devil tells you never will get saved, couldn't get saved, impossible of getting saved. I want you to know, friend of mine, that God can save anybody. And this has practical applications that when you and I begin to stand up and start believing God, binding the powers of the devil and releasing the gospel, multiplying power of Jesus Christ, families start getting healed, people start coming to Christ, souls start getting saved, lives start getting changed, churches start getting multiplied. The geometric principle of the kingdom of God begins to be practical in wonderful changed lives of people giving their heart to Jesus Christ. All over this building this evening, while we're bowing our heads for a moment, this has many applications, but I want to just tarry just for a moment. There are people here this, this evening, some of you are backslidden, some of you are unsaved, and you'd like to get your heart right with God tonight, make a public profession of that fact, and receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you're here tonight, and God's dealing with you in a hand of love and mercy and grace. I'm not asking you to join this church. I'm not asking you to sign any creed or come into agreement with any doctrine. I'm asking you to open your heart and receive this wonderful Christ who changes lives and heals broken hearts and heals sin-sick souls. He's here tonight. That same Jesus that we read about in the Bible has touched the lives of many, many people in this building tonight. And as you're here this evening, you feel an unusual presence of the Holy Spirit, and you feel in your heart a real need of God. I wonder why we pause just for a moment and before we change the order of the service, how many there would be tonight that would just be honest with God? Just open up your heart to what you feel really happening and say, Pastor Mitchell, tonight would you pray for me? I need God and I'd like to get saved. I see that hand. How many more? Lift your hand right up and say, I want to get saved. I want to get right before I go out of this building tonight. Amen. You can put it down, friend. There are others here tonight God's dealing with. He's drawing you with His love. He wants to change your life. He wants to set you free from bondage, habit, sin, and unrighteousness. He wants to change you by the power of God. Would you slip your hand up and join this one? And say, Pastor, would you remember me tonight? I'm a backslider, or I've never been saved, but I'd like to get out. I see that hand. How many more join these two and say, Preacher, I need God too. Don't end this service, but what uh, I get my heart right with God, and I'm lifting my hand right now because I want to join these, and I want to get changed tonight. I want to get washed in the blood of the Lamb. Would you lift your hand right up and right back down? Join these. Say, Pastor, I want to get right tonight too. 
I want to get saved. Would you pray for me tonight before you change this service? All over this building, there are hearts that need the love of God. I tell you, He's here tonight, friend, and He's here to change your life. How many more? Slip your hand right up and right back down. Amen. 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 I wonder if this young fellow right here in the front would look at me. Lift your eyes and look at me for a moment in, in this third row back. Would you like, Denny, would you come right up? God wants to touch your life. Would you come right up, son? This fellow right here lifted your hand. Third row back. Amen. Going to come up and get your heart right with Jesus. Come on up here, son. I want to pray with you. Amen. Others are still in this building that need to make a public profession of Jesus Christ. I want you to kneel down right there. Kneel down there right there, Denny. Somebody's going to come pray with you. Amen, Jesus. Don't you thank God for what He's doing? Listen, friend. There's, there's no one that's too hard for God. I've had two people come to me in the last week who were opposed, who had slandered, who had talked about me, who in the natural you would never think these people would ever get saved. Violently opposed to everything that I stand for, everything that we do. And they, they come in the last spot by our principles. There are people here tonight still that God's dealing with, and you need to really get right. Amen. You need to get right before you go out of this building, friend. There are unsaved people here still. These are getting right, right? These are getting right. They're straightening out their lives, and there's still more here. And I feel constrained just to wait a moment. I wonder how many more would like to lift your hand right up and right back down and say, Preacher, would you remember me tonight? I need God too. And I want to get saved. I want to get clean. I want to go out of this building changed by God's love. Amen. We're going to stand in a moment. We're going to sing that chorus that we love so well. There is a river that flows from deep within. But while we're sitting in this audience and in this congregation, there are people here, you're sitting right there, and you've been guilty of unbelief in the face of terrible difficulties. And I know from time to time we have to do certain things and we have to take certain actions, but this doesn't mean we lose our faith that God saves and delivers. There are many people here tonight that you've just, in disgust, you've just given up and you've just discounted people that are in your families, discounted friends that are on the job, discounted people in your neighborhoods or in your school. I want you to know that God says, I'll multiply the seed that's in you. And wherever your lives touch, that multiplying principle will continue to work. And you need to start believing God and you need to start confessing in the face of every circumstance that looks impossible. You need to start confessing God can change. God can bring children. God can save souls. Amen. We're going to stand together and sing that chorus, There is a River, and God's touching a multitude of lives tonight. See, this principle even works in, in your life. It works. See, even the visible creation, God multiplied in finances. God multiplied in, in their material substance. God multiplied in their relationships. God multiplied in their personalities. We're going to stand and we're going to sing There is a River and God's dealing with many hearts that need to just come and confess unbelief and lay hold of God. Some of you have habits. And in the face of those habits, you just confess. It's impossible. God, I can't get deliverance and I can't get victory. That's, 
a confession of unbelief. But God says, I can bring you deliverance. I'll bless you and multiply you. We're going to stand together and sing it. Let's stand. There's still others that need to come and find Christ as your Savior. Would you come right now? Maybe you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Maybe you need a touch of something on your life. These altars are open. Would you come quickly while we sing, There is a river, and make your petition to God.